All right, we're doing a series called We Are Family, and you know, I hope and I pray that in the teaching of these, these uh, messages that the spirit behind it gets a hold of us, and, and uh, I guess the Holy Spirit just shows us, you know, the things that we are going to walk into, you know, in the time ahead. You get me? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to read this again from the Urban Dictionary. Uh, it's not my Bible. But it does say this, a family is a group of people usually of the same blood, but don't have to be, who genuinely love, trust, and care about, and look after each other. Not to be mistaken with relatives sharing the same household who hate each other. Real family is a bond that cannot be broken by any means. And, you know, that's the idea, you know, summed up pretty well that we're talking about with family and we're talking about church life. We're talking about being plugged into the church, being plugged into the group of people that God has assembled here and drawn the strengths that each one of us bring to the table. You know, um, I'm going to turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. And, uh, you know, we could be in this series, I believe we are redefining what, what we all think about church. Redefining it, you know, sometimes you need a good shaking. Sometimes, you know, you need to come into praise and worship and do a little jumping up and down and just shake the things and reset everything and, and get the perspective that God really has, you know, for, for what's ahead or what you're looking at, okay? We can get, you know, just being a human being, you know, it's not like you're good or you're bad or anything, but just being human. We can make things so religious, you know? We can take things that have great freedom, and give us a little time, and we put it into this little box that we fashioned, and, you know, it becomes this, this thing that God didn't really intend it to be. You know, we can take, you know, I, I, I guess I'm always blown away. I've, I've seen this before that, you know, as a, as a pastor over the years, you know, and I'm going back 30 years here, that I could look at times I've preached on the great freedoms that Jesus purchased us in, in salvation. And I've had people hear that and take it as pressure to have to be what we preached about. Now, I know, don't raise hands, don't do any of that, because we can all fall into this. You know, we hear a message on, well, for instance, you hear it on healing, and then all of a sudden, what we try to do is make ourselves be healed. And God doesn't work that way. He doesn't work from us trying to make things happen. You know, he works from the inside out, you know. His ways are easy. They're not a burden. They're not like a bunch of hamsters on the treadmill you know what I mean you ever seen a hamster on a treadmill he keeps running and running it get it goes nowhere we don't want to be that we want to be people that receive from him and and uh, pastor Stephen prayed this this morning uh, in in our little prayer circle you know that we'd take on the easiness of his yoke they would take on the ease of of being in Christ you know when when church has become hard we're doing something wrong and it's probably the way we're looking at it. It's probably as easy as changing our perspective, okay? When, when doing, you know, Christianity becomes hard, it's because we've made it hard, okay? That's good. Good, Pastor. Yeah, amen. Woo, wow, woo. This is, I'm running around the room counterclockwise right now. Yeah, oh, see? We've made it hard. God didn't make this stuff hard. We take the thing that he did and we, try, we, we try get it in our hands and we make it some kind of a work. All right. I mean, 
goodness, that's so good, I could almost sit down now and, and go drink a cup of hot coffee and, and we could say, hey, we've had church. But Hebrews 10, 20, I won't, I won't do that. Again, just imagine that for a moment. Okay, that's enough. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. The writer of Hebrews said it like this. He says, let's consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Isn't that nice? Uh, stir up love and good works. Not strife, not you know judgment or any of that kind of stuff, but love and good works. And it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so, you know, so much in that verse, you know, uh, as we walk on in this Christian life, as we walk on in life, period, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the day when Jesus comes. And, and as we do that, he says, don't forsake assembling of yourselves together on Sundays, like some have. Wait, no, wait. He, he didn't say that. He said, just don't forsake assembling of ourselves together, together. You know, we do assemble on Sunday. It's not that Sunday's the only day. It's just when we do it. And, and um, thank God for what he does as we come together to celebrate him and, and we draw from each other. But, but church is more than just Sunday, you know. And, and this verse, it says, you know, as, as time goes on, as the pressure. How many have noticed that things get intense out in the world, you know? It seems like they get more intense. And, you know, I used to hear my parents talk about back in the day when they were kids. And I find I've become my parents because I think the same way. Man, you know, back when I was a kid, you know. Anyway, um, you know, uh, anyway, well, we won't go any further. But, uh, but things are intense out there. And, and one of the things that God shown us for the day that we live in is we need the strength that each other bring, okay? We need to come together. We need to, to, to gather. We need to do more than just on Sunday mornings, you know? So what am I talking about? I'm talking about get to know people around you, okay? Get to know the person sitting next to you or across the room, you know, when we do our little five-minute, four-minute handshake thing. That's good. But you can only go so far in that four minutes before Pastor Stevens up here ready to go into anointed announcements and, and, and offering. Gotcha. Gotcha, you know? Uh, you know, it, it, it takes more than a couple minutes. And, and, you know, as a church, we need to learn to connect with each other. So, so, you know, Hebrews here, it says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You know, when you call someone up, you know, and, 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 and get together, maybe you go out for coffee. I'm telling you what, you're doing what Hebrews 10 talked about here. You're getting together. You're, 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 getting, you're, you're drawing on the strengths that other people have and bringing your strengths to the table and encouraging one another. And it says, stirring up love and good works. This can happen all through the week. You hear me? You out there? You know, we, we, I, we are. We are talking. Last two, we get together every Tuesday, most Tuesdays anyway, and we talk about where we're at and what we need to do. And, you know, we have thought of some practical things we're going to bring out in the next couple weeks uh, of ways that we can connect with each other. Some things that might help to know people's timetables and, you know, when they're free and everything. So church happens more than just here at this time on Sunday mornings, okay? Church can happen 
on Thursday uh, afternoon, you know, at, at the raw deal or something. I mean, it can happen, you know, it can happen, it can happen at the gun range. All, you know, people like to shoot guns. That's something I found out when I moved to Wisconsin. I never owned a gun or anything like that, but I came to Wisconsin and I started hanging around and I found that, you know, some people still like to golf, but, you know, people don't get into golf as much as just like pulling out a gun and shooting it at, at a target. You can have church out there. You know that? You can have church with each other. I see grins happening on people's faces. Yeah, just don't shoot each other, okay? You know, shoot at targets. Blow up water bottles and things like that. Those are cool. Everybody likes a good explosion. But, but you know, <laughs> connect with each other. We need each other. God didn't intend for us to do life alone, okay? We're somehow in, in our, our makeup, in our DNA, you could say. It's built into us that we need each other. We don't, we're, not, we're not made to, to live in a cave all by ourselves. okay? Uh, you know, not that caves are necessarily bad. You could have a party in a cave and everything, but, but, you know, get together with other people. Acts chapter 12. You know, I've told the other, I've read the other story I've referred to in Acts, uh, I think it's four, three or four, uh, but here in Acts 12, I thought I'd read this one. Again, your, your connection with God is the most important thing in life. And you know, you know, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, I mean, I, I know how you can, sometimes we can blow a fuse. We blew a fuse with the coffee machine this morning, with the uh, power strip. I know, if it's cold this morning in any way, I apologize. You know, sometimes in life, though, we can, we can blow a fuse in our, our connection with God. And, and really, this morning, it was so simple, we just had to reconnect. You know, sometimes it happens just by pushing a button, and it resets. You know, sometimes our connection with God gets, gets, gets somehow, ah, you know, we, you know, we just need to take a moment sometimes and connect with him. You know, you can connect goodness. You can be driving down the, the road in your car, and you can connect with God. Again, it's just a matter of focusing on him, calling on him. He's, he's always there. But we need to connect with God, but we also need to connect with each other. We need to have our people, okay? We need to have our people that we can run to. In Acts 12, I'm, I, can I just read this this morning? Are you, can, you up for that? All right, this is, I, I think I put it in the Message Bible. And it's kind of a fun story, at least from our perspective. You ever notice, too, how sometimes when you're going through, through things, they may not be as fun as when you look back at them later? <laughs> Always good to remember that you say someday may look back at these moments and say, yeah, cool. So Acts 12, it says King Herod got it into his head to go after some of the church members. And he murdered James, John, and John's brother. When he saw how much it raised his popularity ratings, see, they were doing polls back then. It raised his popularity ratings with the Jews. He arrested Peter. And all this was during Passover week, mind you. He had him thrown in jail, putting four squads of four soldiers each to guard him. And he was planning a public lynching after Passover. Now, wait, where's the part that's fun? Okay, this wasn't so fun yet, okay? But, but all the time, Peter was under heavy guard in the jailhouse, the church prayed for him most strenuously. I tell you what, when you're going through things, 
It's good to have that connection with God. It's good to have a connection with people. It's good to have people back home praying for you. Does that do any good? Yes. Well, uh, it says um, the time came for Herod to bring him out for the kill. <laughs> Message Bible, you know. That night, even though shackled to two soldiers, one on either side, Peter slept like a baby. So, you know, there you go. There's results. People praying for you. He, you know, he's shackled by a couple guards. I, I would find that difficult. You know, I'm sure one of them for sure snored. And, and here he is going to get killed the next morning. And he's sleeping like a baby. And the guards were at the door keeping their eyes on the place. And Herod was taking no chances. Suddenly an angel uh, was at his side and light flooded the room. The angel shook Peter and got him up. Hurry! And the handcuffs fell off his wrists. The angel said, get dressed. Put on your shoes. Peter did it. Then grab your coat and let's get out of here. Peter followed him but didn't believe it was really an angel. He thought he was dreaming. Goodness. Past the first guard, then the second. Then they came to the iron gate that led into the city and it swung open before them on its own. And they're out in the street free as the breeze. At first intersection, the angel left him, going his own way. And that's when Peter realized it was no dream. I can't believe it. This really happened, he said. The master sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's vicious little production and the spectacle the Jewish mob was looking forward to. Well, still shaking his head and, and amazed, he went to Mary's house. And, and Mary, who was John Mark's mother, and the house was packed with praying friends. So, you know, I read that, and, and it makes me ask this question, where do you run to when you are in trouble? Where do you run to when you're coming out of trouble? Where do you run to when you're going to rejoice and tell people it wasn't just the dream, but an angel came and delivered me from, from certain death? Where do you run? Well, Peter ran to the believer's house. He ran to, you know, he didn't run to, you know, the church door necessarily, but he ran to people in his group, people who were, were had his back. It says he knocked on the door. I love this part, too. He knocked on the door of, to the courtyard. You can't make this stuff up. A young woman named Rhoda came to see who it was, but she, and she recognized his voice, Peter's voice, but she was so excited and eager to tell everyone Peter was there, she forgot to open the door and left him standing in the street. Is it beautiful? Aren't you glad they put these things in the Bible? That it's just, you know, they could have said, Peter got delivered, boom, chapter 13. No, told us all the nitty-gritty. I like it. Um, it says, but then they wouldn't, they wouldn't even believe her. So, I, you know, it makes me question how much faith was mixed in their prayers. But I'm telling you what, whatever they were praying, they were, you know, I tell you what, prayers are powerful. You know, we don't always have it all together. I don't have every dot, I, I dotted and T crossed all the time, but God's so merciful, and he hears the cry of a person's heart. And, and that's what these people definitely had was heart. They had a connection with God. I tell you what, if you wait till you're perfect, you're never going to get anything done, okay? You know, you sit around and wait till all your ducks in a row, you'll be sitting around forever. And hopefully you've got that lazy boy or the lazy Susan that Pastor Stephen explained this during the offering. You know, it's like his and her chairs, I'm sure, is what the picture was in your mind, right? Yeah. yeah. So that was good. Um, so they left him standing in the street, and they wouldn't believe her, dismissing her, dismissing her report, and said, you're crazy. 
They, they said, she's stuck by her story, insisting. And uh, why didn't they just go get him? Uh, anyway, they still wouldn't believe her and said, it must be his angel. Interesting. They could believe in an angel being there more than they could Peter being there. But, but all this time, poor Peter was standing out in the street, knocking away. And, and uh, where was the videotape of that? Finally, they opened up. They saw him, and they went wild. And Peter put up his hands and calmed them down, and he described how the master had gotten him out of jail and said, tell James and, and, and the brothers what happened. And he left them, and he went off to another place. Isn't that a fun story? I tell you, it's so good. The Bible is so entertaining, and, and, and uh, life is entertaining. And I'm sure, again, at the moment that, that all this was happening, there was, there was opportunities for frustration. There was opportunities for doubt. There was opportunities for fear and all kinds of things that could disrupt our, our emotions and everything. But, but Peter, Peter when, when the chips were down and when the victory came, he knew where to run. He had a company that was standing behind him. He wasn't going through life alone okay? And of course, we're never alone. God's with us. But again, he wasn't going through life alone. He had people that cared about him. He had people that knew him, knew his circumstance, people that were praying for him. We need each other, okay? We may not be perfect. We may not, you know, have it all together. We may not even be soaring in faith at the moment, but we need each other. All right, Elijah. Let me talk about him. You like those old prophets? I like Elijah. I like Elisha. I always used to get them mixed up, but I, I remember this, that J comes before S. There's Elijah and Elisha, and historically, uh, chronologically read, that's how they appear in the Bible. So there's my trick. I'm not that smart. I just, just have little tricks, okay? Yeah, that's right, Max, huh? Yeah, you got it. All right. So here's the deal. Elijah, he was, a, he was a powerful man of God in the Old Testament, had a connection with God, and he had one of these epic moments, you know, probably the thing we most think of with Elijah where he, he challenged the, the prophets of Baal, and, and he, uh, he called fire down from heaven. I mean, that's pretty epic. I, I have never done that, never called fire down from anywhere, you know, but this guy... He, 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 he challenged the, the, the prophets of Baal, the opposing, you know, they worship some, some false god. And he challenged them. He says, let's see whose god is who. And he says, you know, you guys pray and do all you can and call fire down from, from your god and consume this sacrifice that he had there. And they, they did all kinds of things and prayed and scratched and itched and did all kinds of stuff. But nothing happened. And, and really, if you read the story... I, it's in like 1 Kings, I think, 17 or 18. Basically, Elijah, after they're all done with that, he comes out and has them actually pour water on this sacrifice, on this, this, this thing that is about to be consumed. And he just says a simple prayer, and wow, fire comes down from heaven and consumes the whole thing. So when this all happened, the queen, her name was Jezebel, uh, she got really upset, and, and it says she was really furious with Elijah, and she sent soldiers to go catch Elijah and, and you know, who knows what, probably kill him. And, and Elijah, you know, the man of God, man of faith and power, the man who just called fire down from heaven, he ran like crazy. He ran for his life, okay? And, and I, I wonder sometimes reading that, you know, 
why he didn't just stay there and, you know, and, and bask in this power that he tapped into, but he tells me this. He was, he was a guy just like you and me, okay? He was a human being, and, and, and we do things like that, okay? It's not that you're weird or anything. It's not that he was weird. He's just a human, and, and God works with us. So he ran, and it says in 1 Kings 19, 4, let's just pull that up and read it. It says, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a broom tree, and, and he prayed that he might die, and said, it's enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. It's crazy how you can go from this height of spiritual power to this depth of despair, okay, where he's asking God, just, just sit here under this tree, take my life, it's over. I mean, that's, that's some drama for you. But he was visited by an angel, and, and you know, he, the angel gave him some, some cakes, and it says he ran in the strength of that for 40 days. It was good cake. And then in, 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 uh, in verse 9, he find him again. This time he goes into a cave, and in verse 9 and 10, says, he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone, I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And, and, you know, I read this story. Actually, this has been in my notes, every single message I've preached in this series, and I never, never feel like it's right to share, but this is what I saw in it probably about a month ago. As I was reading this, I was just, again, I was kind of going over these things that the devil uses in people's life to separate them. And sometimes, you know, there's things that happen in life that, you know, you feel rejected or you feel depressed or you feel you know, like you don't measure up or something, and that can cause a separation from people. But sometimes you can have a great spiritual victory, and you can get lies in your head like, there's nobody quite like me. Now, Elijah, granted, he was fighting a battle where he had a great victory, and then he got depressed, and all this stuff was, he was actually, good night, if you want to look at it, the guy was on an emotional roller coaster, you know, from highs to lows. I don't tend to think of him that way. In my mind, when I just pop the word Elijah out there, I think of a victorious man of God, okay? And I, I like that because I think that's how God sees you and me, okay? We might have been on some dramatic roller coasters. We might have had some highs and lows, but I'm telling you what, God looks at you and me, and he sees a champion. And, and, uh, but sometimes, you know, you've had some great spiritual highs, and thoughts can get in your head that there's nobody... I can relate to. Nobody has seen and done the things that I've done, and maybe you've done some good things. Maybe you've gone some places even in your prayer closet. But I'm telling you this, no matter how great a thing you've done, don't let anything separate you from God, and don't let it separate you from people, okay? You're never going to get to where you're so spiritual that you don't need people around you. Even people that maybe haven't done what you did. I mean, face it. Who called fire down, you know? But I'll tell you what. Here's what he said. He says, I'm alone. No one is left. And they seek to take my life. Then uh, 
I guess I didn't write the reference down. But if you read a little further, God straightens him out. And what he tells him is this. He says, listen, Elijah, you're believing a lie. Did you ever believe a lie? God told him, he says, you're believing a lie. He said, this is the number he gave him. He said, there's 7,000, 7,000 people in Israel that have not bowed their knee to Baal. You're believing a lie, Elijah. Get up, get out of the cave, connect with some people. So, you know, I, I was reading further, and, 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 and later he, he does connect. Elisha, the other prophet, connects with him. And, you know, anyway, so all I'm telling you is this. This race we run, we've got to run it together with other people, okay? You know, there's flaws. There's, there's flaws in every family. You know, I, th I think about my, my, my biological family, and, and uh, we are all so different I've got two brothers and a sister, and we're all different, but we love each other. And, you know, we've seen each other go through life. We've seen each other do stupid things. They've seen me do stupid things. But you know what? I know I can always call on them. And even in my stupidity sometimes, I know they're there, you know? So, again, it's not about being perfect. It's about connecting with God and connecting with people. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter, four, or chapter 6, verse 14. Again, I have a thought that, that as I was reading these scriptures too, I'm just going to share it with you. Um, I'll read it and then I'll share it. It says, Don't be equally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? In this uh, verse here, he's talking about you and me. We're righteous. Okay, that's not a brag, bragging statement. That's just a fact, okay? It's not something I'm trying to be. You know, I'm not trying to be righteous. It's just what God made me. It's what he made you. It's what he did in Christ. It's not bragging on me. It's bragging on Jesus, okay? So Paul says, what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? There again in this Verse, you and I are the light. We're light. Again, don't get high-minded about that, okay? Don't think, oh, yeah. Well, we're, under, we're in Christ. What, uh, what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has an, a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has temple of God with idols? For you're the, live, you're the temple of the living God. As God said, I'll dwell in them and I'll walk in them. And I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. I love, I love that. That's the part I really love. I'll dwell in them, and I'll walk in them. I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. So here's the thing, though, that I wanted to share. In life, talking about our company, we need a company. You need a company, and you need a company of believers, okay? Now hear me on this. You know, um, I am not, okay, do you hear me? I'm not, not, not saying you shouldn't have unbelieving friends. Do you hear me? As a matter of fact, I encourage it. I, I, I think it's cool. How are you ever going to reach them if you're just so isolated that you never interact, okay? I mean, you, you, that, that, that's, that's just, let me, I wanted to make sure you heard me say that. 
But what I am saying is this. Your closest circle of friends, of people, need to be believers. They need to be people that are born again. Okay? And, and honestly, it'll hinder you in life if that isn't the way it is. Again, I'm not saying to shun anybody. I'm not saying to, to run if they're not, you know, I mean, there's nobody perfect. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying in your inner circle, you need to have people that believe. People that when you're in jail and Herod's getting ready to kill you, they're going to pray for you. <laughs> you know? I, 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 as a parent, okay, here I go parenting again. Uh, you know, when our kids were young, you know, we wanted to know their friends, you know, so we, Dane and I, boy, I tell you, from the time they were really young, we'd pray that, that, that we, our house would be the place they'd come, you know, that we'd, we'd uh, not be so weird that they'd run and not bring their friends home, you know, because I wanted to know their friends. And we didn't tell our kids you can't have friends that are, are, are not believers. If that was the case, Pastor Stephen would have never been over in, in, in our circle, you know, because he wasn't even a Christian. Can you believe it? He was, he was a heathen. He was darkness. <laughs> it's real, man. It's real. But we encouraged him to come over. We wanted him to come over. We wanted him to hang at our house. We wanted, you know, and, and goodness, we are not, you know, the Cleaver family, for those of you my age, or, you know, we're not perfect is all I'm saying. How many know who the Cleaver family is? What? What? Wow. See, back in the days when I was a kid and there was only three channels you could choose from, can you believe that? That's just blowing people's mind right now. Three channels you could choose from on TV. There was a black and white program called Leave it to Beaver, and he was a beaver cleaver. Was his, cleaver was his last name. They're pretty good. Uh, anyway, so I mean, you know, but I'm not saying you shouldn't have friends that aren't believers, but I'm saying you need close friends. Frankly, back then, probably our, our little family unit was, was the, 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 the inner circle, you know? I, I don't know. I, I, I maybe not, but that's kind of what I would say. And, you know, we would, just, we would just connect. We would connect with our kids regularly, at least weekly. We would have a little meeting, little family meeting, and we would just sit down, and they weren't a bad thing. It wasn't like somebody was always in trouble. Sometimes it was, but not always. It was just a meeting we'd have, and we'd just sit around, and we'd check in with each other and see how everybody is doing. And we'd, we'd, from that, we'd pray for each other. You need an inner circle, okay? These are things that, that there's, there's a part of it that starts on Sunday, but really it's stuff that goes on in life during the week. It goes on again, you know, when you call people up on the phone and connect and you go out and you do something together. Maybe you go fishing. I won't even ask who likes to fish. But, but yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, I like, to, I like fish. I like to eat fish. I got a couple of trout in the fridge right now. Yeah, thinking about it. Yeah, anyway, because <laughs> somebody likes the fish. 
All right, so we need each other. We need, we need inner circle of, of friends. We need an inner circle of people that believe like we do. People that, when we're going through life, are going to be there for us, that are going to pray for us, are going to stand with us, okay? Again, not perfect people, just people. 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. Let me read this again. I'm in the message again. Don't be harsh or impatient with, with an older man. You guys hear that? <laughs> Talk to him as you would your own father. And to the younger men as your brothers. Reverently honor an older woman as you would your mother. And the younger women as sisters. This is all I want to say about it. <laughs> I'm going to say it is we need mentors in the body of Christ, okay? We need people that, you know, that just because you're old doesn't mean, just being old doesn't qualify you to be a mentor, okay? But, but walking with God for a number of years, that is what qualifies you, okay? There's old fools out there, okay? None here. But there are. <laughs> Probably have natural knowledge they can share, even them, even people. But, but people that have walked with God longer than you have, it'd be good to learn from. And again, you've got to hear, hear God. You've got to have things witness on the inside of you, no matter who's given you advice or wisdom or anything. And you know what? As, as older people, we don't, cram, we don't want to cram stuff down anybody's throat, okay? In fact, this verse, the way I read it, it's kind of like they're coming, the, the younger people are coming to, to the uh, olders or the fathers for wisdom, okay? So it's, wisdom's a funny thing. You, you know, you can have some, but you've got to deal it out in the right way or it'll never be received, okay? And, and it's better, it's always better if people ask you things. All I'm saying is this. A mentor is just an experienced, trusted advisor and we need mentors in the body of Christ we need people that can take us by the hand and walk through life maybe things they've walked through and 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 point us to Jesus okay last verse first Samuel this is just kind of fun first Samuel 10 says next you'll come to Gibeah of God it says there's a Philistine garrison and as you approach the town, you're going to run into a bunch of prophets coming down from the shrine. Okay, that's the part I wanted to think about. They'll be playing harps and tambourines, flutes and drums. And they'll be prophesying. So I guess he's saying this is how you're going to know them. He says, but before you know it, the Spirit of God will come on you, and you'll be prophesying right along with them, and you'll be transformed. You'll be a new person. So all I wanted to say is this. When you get in the right company, it'll change you. It'll change you. It'll, it'll, it'll help you step into the person God's called you to be. All right, we're going to stop there. Some questions I've got down here. Well, one is, who do you run to when you're in trouble? I kind of asked that already, but something to think about. Two is who are your inner circle of friends? And three, do I have a mentor in my life?
Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Yeah, hey, we just wanted to give you the opportunity as well to partner up and plug in to the church uh, by giving. So if you would like to be a part of that and help make this all possible, you can do so by going to wearelovechurch.com slash give. You can also plug in, stay in the loop with what's going on at the church via our Instagram and Facebook platforms. So love y'all. God bless you.